Welcome to the Leadership Conversations podcast. I'm your host, Jono White. I'm the founder and principal consultant of Clarity. We are an Australian-based consultancy that works with leaders around the world, and our passion is to invest in people to become everything they're meant to be in order to fill the world with healthy organizations that people love to work for and customers line up to buy from. The goal of this podcast is to invest in you and your leadership. If you're just joining us for the first time, then feel free to check out consultclarity.org. That's our website, consultclarity.org. We have so many free resources on there, the most popular being our seven questions on leadership series. We've had more than 1,500 leaders from around the world in all different sectors give their in-depth answers on leadership, what books they love, what they found most challenging, uh, the most meaningful stories, how they how they structure their time through the day. That's free, so go and check it out. And we'd love to interview you about your leadership. I believe you have advice from your experience, your context, and your life so far that is important and can help other leaders. It's also a great way to give back. It's free to get involved, and you can do so by going to consultclarity.org forward slash seven dash questions dash interest, or just Google consultclarity.org seven questions interest and fill out the form that pops up. We have a free resource for you on our website. It's called Leadership Survival Guide. It's a 57-page ebook. It has interviews with 10 world-class leaders, and you can go to consultclarity.org. It's right at the top and get that today. Uh, we also have a daily email that we send out to over 15,000 leaders, and that email contains the highlights, our best content from our podcasts, our blog, uh, my book, uh, the books that we're loving that are out there about leadership, it's also the best way to get access to our masterclasses and workshops before anyone else. And there's also exclusive and limited uh, special options just for subscribers. And you can subscribe by going to consultclarity.org forward slash subscribe. Now, my gift to you is to work incredibly hard to provide the best leadership content I can to invest in you and your leadership. So if you're finding our content helpful, if you find this podcast helpful, then your gift to me uh, could be this. If you, if you do find it helpful, then write a review or rate our content and make sure you subscribe or follow. I can't emphasize enough how helpful that is. It really does help us to get the word out there so we can invest in more leaders to become everything they're meant to be. It also means a lot to me personally when people like you and people in our community share our content on social media. So if you do that, then please do look for me, Jono White, to tag me and look to tag Clarity uh, on whatever platform you're on. And our team, including me, I, I'm always looking to see when people have mentioned us so that I can engage with you. And also we look at sharing content. So if you if you write something about something we've done, there's also a good chance we'll share that with our followers. So if you could do that, that is a massive, massive help as we try to invest in as many leaders as we can around the world. Last of all, you can check out my book about how to deal with difficult people even if you hate conflict. It's called Step Up or Step Out. It's available on Amazon. You can just look up Step Up or Step Out John O. White, or you can go to store.consultclarity.org forward slash book and check it out there. I 
have coached leader after leader after leader and in more than 50% of the sessions, this topic comes up. How do I deal with this person? I'm finding it really difficult and, and I just want to find a way that doesn't blow up to do a really, just to have a difficult conversation, to lead them better. How do I do that? There's a three-step process that I outline in this book that I believe can help you. Okay, let's get into today's episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast. Enjoy. Welcome to another episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast. Today's guest is Bruce Armstrong. Bruce is the Group Chief Executive Officer at Aspen Medical. Welcome to the podcast, Bruce. Thanks very much, Jono, and thanks for the invite. First of all, Bruce, uh, great to have you here. Tell us a little bit for those listeners who may not know about Aspen Medical. Tell us a bit about what you do as a company, but also what you do as Group CEO. I'd love to. Thanks, Jono. Well, I'm the Group CEO, and I'm also a board member at Aspen Medical Proprietary Limited. We're a global diversified health service provider. What does that mean? Well, it means we provide everything from a single nurse, paramedic, doctor, surgeon, etc. But that's not really what we do. What we really do is people, governments, companies trust us to outsource their health service requirements. Now, that could be everything from a primary uh, healthcare clinic uh, through to a hospital. Uh, could be uh, an ambulance service, it could be aeromedical evacuation, or it could be simply uh, providing the health services that you need, the critical health services they need to keep, uh, to keep the com- a country going or to keep the uh, company going. My job as a group CEO is that I'd like to think of myself as the bridge between the board and the executive. Now, clearly the board has engagement with the executive, but it's my job to form the strategic plan uh, along with the other directors or board members, and then to work with the executive to execute on that strategic plan. What a succinct explanation of a, uh, a big role. And I love how you said the bridge between the board and the executive team. I love that explanation, Bruce. Um, let's jump into your story. I want to start by asking you about your childhood and growing up. What were some of the moments from that season of your life that really shaped you into the person and the leader you are today? Yeah, look, um, I I grew up in a Navy family and uh, my dad was away a a lot, but he, you know, he was a role model for me. And I, I can touch on that later on if you want, but my first um, formal leadership role that I can remember was being appointed as a school captain at my primary school, Granville South Public. I was brought up in the western suburbs of Sydney. And this was the first realisation, I suppose, for me, that there are expectations from peers and others when you're in a leadership role that they'll look to you for guidance and, well, just to be a leader. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's... That's an interesting first role. Uh, you mentioned your dad, and let's let's go straight to that. Tell me about how he was a role model for you. And I always love to ask: Are there any specific stories about your dad, and you know, stories that will forever be in your memory because they really they really remind you of um, of the things that he really you know his his values, uh, things that really shaped you in how you lead. Any any stories and an overview that you can give us about your dad? Yeah, well, my father, Max Armstrong, he did taught me to lead by standing firm in my convictions and values. 
Um, he's probably, uh, he maintains very much a very black and white view on, on uh, most things and what is wrong and right. Um, but he was also prepared to fight for what was right. And when I say that, I can remember back in those days that uh, he, he would be prepared to physically fight sometimes. He was a, he was a champion boxer in the Navy. Oh, and wow. um, he was prepared to stand up for what he thought was right um, at, at all times. He was never a person who sought a fight, but he never stood back from one. From one. And I think that taught me some lessons. Uh, and I think I've made my own uh, path on leadership, but he certainly taught me some lessons. And I was always very proud of the way he handled himself. Yeah, absolutely. What a, I always love hearing that when people do have those sort of stories about their parents. Thank you for sharing that. As you grew older, you mentioned your first leadership opportunity before. Uh, what was your pathway from there to doing what you're doing now? I know that's a that's a bit of a journey, and I'll zoom in on a few bits at some point. But give us a bit of a snapshot of your leadership journey from from there till now, Bruce. Well, well, I think like uh, like a few kids, I, I learned about leading also on the sporting field. I was fortunate enough to be the uh, captain and sometimes vice captain of a junior rugby league team. And, and whilst I, I probably didn't think about it too much at the time, leadership on the sporting field is undoubtedly like leadership off the field in business and other areas. And I can reflect on that now. And I say that because those who lead look to you for inspiration and guidance on and off the field. And so whether you like it or not, you are a role model. And so your values, physical courage and performance, they're always gonna be on show. And if you get it right, you will inspire others to do their best. And I, I, was, I was fortunate enough um, uh, to also uh, be accepted into and, and join the army. And you know, when, when you join the army, they teach you all the, uh, the um, theory about leadership. Uh, and that's a good, it's a good foundation and, uh, and certainly it stands you in good stead. But you, you really learn about leadership by, by seeing people um, uh, role models um, and how they undergo, uh, how they uh, undertake leadership. And, and you take all of that, you take the theory, you take your experiences through life and leadership really is a journey. My view is my leadership style and, and how I go about things has changed all the way along. And I think that's a great thing. You gotta be prepared to learn. Yeah, I think teachability in that, uh, there's one of the quotes that stuck with me the most from the podcast that someone mentioned. It wasn't theirs, I don't think, but it's this idea that learning is in the doing. And that just hit me when they said that. I thought that's so true about leadership because you, no matter what you think you know, it's as you go and, and do it, as you go and lead people and you connect with people and you build teams and you have difficult conversations and you, uh, you know, you come up with strategy and then you execute strategy and then you drop the ball here and you pick it up and all these things, that's where you learn so much. Uh, who have been some of your key mentors along the way in your career so far, Bruce? Uh, you mentioned your dad, who have been some of the people along the way in your leadership who have really influenced you in how you lead? Look, um, I, I was really fortunate enough to um, serve uh, in uh, International Force East Timor uh, under General Sir, uh, now General Sir Peter Cosgrove, then Major General Peter Cosgrove. Uh, I was his Chief of Staff in International uh, Force East Timor. And I was able to observe firsthand 
uh, how Sir Peter was able to lead and optimise the performance of the 22 nations that made up uh, Interfet, but not, at, not only how he was able to lead uh, just with those 22 nations who all had their own their own national uh, objectives to try and achieve when they were over there, but also to, to, to lead with other key figures, the UN, the leaders of the UN, um, the leaders of the, uh, of the uh, political parties uh, in East Timor, the leaders of the non-government organisations. Um, it was extraordinary to see how he took that entire complex environment and uh, he really gave some people something to aspire to. And I think um, he led them on the future and the vision of East Timor um, at that time. So I, I was really impressed by that. And, and I was lucky uh, mm. to be able to uh, be part of that. Yeah, any, uh, I guess a lot of Australians listening will know of, uh, of Sir Peter Cosgrove and um, what an incredible uh, legacy uh, you know, he he already sort of has um, any moments in particular that or any stories that come to mind that are appropriate. <laughs> you know, obviously, when you're there, there's uh, there'd be things in in a role like that that um, you wouldn't necessarily be able to to share all the goings on behind the scenes. But are there any are there any um, stories of how Peter what you learned from Peter Cosgrove in how he handled different crises or how he handled different situations with people? Uh, any specific stories come to mind for you, Bruce? Uh, yeah, John. There's there's a lot of them, and uh, but but I'll, I'll I'll talk about without giving the specifics. Um, but um, he he was one. He was always, and I learnt this from him. He was always uplifting at the end. And and as you might imagine, on a mission like that, there were there were times that were uh, that people or organisations didn't do the job that he had wanted them to do. And in fact, um, uh, had done a very poor job. Now he he never resolved from making sure that people know knew um, whether it's individuals or uh, organisations that they hadn't done the right job. And he would uh, he would carefully explain that. But what I took away from his leadership was that he would do that, and they'd be left in no uncertain terms that they had done the wrong thing. But then he would he would uplift them by talking about the vision and what he wanted them to do and how they the part they could play. So they clearly understood that. I think that was a key part of uh, my leadership learnings that I took away from that time, his ability to uplift people and make sure that they knew the part they were playing was important. Yeah, it's it's great that you mentioned that. It's it's come up so often on this podcast. It's, uh, it's funny because the book that I love on this sort of topic is Radical Candor by Kim Scott, where Kim talks about this idea of leaders need to be highly caring and highly challenging, high on care, high on challenge. And it's the ability, great leaders are able to do both. And that's what you just described about Peter Cosgrove, able to challenge and say, this is not what you know you said you were going to do, but then able to, in, in your words, uplift. And I imagine for people to actually feel um encouraged how I, I run into so many leaders who fall into one or sometimes i feel like people fall into both sides like sometimes i'm too caring and i don't challenge people and hold them accountable and then i the next day i feel like i'm uh you know i've dumped something on someone and they don't feel like i care at all how do you how do you balance that what, what have you learned about that bruce 
Yeah, well, first and foremost, let me pick up on one of those themes is um, uh, one of the early lessons I, I think I, I learned and, and I, I put this to the uh, to my military training is a duty of care for the people who work for you. And that's 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 looking after their welfare. And when and when you do that, it extends not just to that individual. You must also think about uh, their family and support system around them. It, it's not just one dimensional. And so, um, when you're in a leadership position, first and foremost, you've got to make sure that you've you're undertaking this duty of care. You're keeping your people safe. Um, you're giving them the uh, the uh, the right. You're making sure that you're communicating and giving them the plan, and they know what they've got to do. And and if they if they make a if they make a mistake, I think we all make mistakes. Um, and I think you you just got to help them through those. Some of them are very minor, so um, that's that's all okay. But even if they're major ones, um, I think as long as people uh, aren't committing fraud or something like that or doing illegal acts, um, I always like to try and give as much support as I can. Uh, to the people that work for me. And, and if if those people know that you've got their back, then mm. they're more likely to do extraordinary things when they're working for you. And, and extraordinary things are um, people go into harm's way, uh, mm. people work long hours, and people really try go above and beyond. And I've seen many people uh, both in the military and here in my current role at Aspen Medical go above and beyond uh, to ensure that they achieve what I've asked them to do. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, I think every leader listening would be nodding, nodding along going, yeah, that's, that's the, that's the goal to really create a culture and, and build that connection with your people that they know that you have their back. How do you, I guess, getting practical when you, how how do you go through a process? Say there's a leader listening who's really scratching their head, going, "Oh, I don't know how to do this," um, and doesn't have your know know how and experience from the military and and your leadership experience, Bruce. How do you go about having that conversation with someone where they've dropped the ball? And also going a step backwards, how how do you make sure that you are measuring the key things that you're meeting with them regularly? Like just getting really practical. What does that look like as a leader for you? Yeah, look, these are these are uh, um, pertinent questions for me because I've I've got a very broad span. Uh, I I find that I can't leave it a chance to talk to my people uh, regularly. So I, for all of my direct reports, I have a I have a slot in uh, my diary where. Sometimes, you know, we just catch up just about personal things, but clearly I want to get on to um, uh, work as part of that as well. But I think by ha having that regular catch up that we don't leave it to chance that, um, that we are going to uh, talk to each other and review what is going on, put that in the diary and uh, that's what I advise some of your listeners to do. And then when you have that, when you have that catch up, I'm a big one for trying to simplify, even if you're in a complex working environment, try and simplify what your priorities are by list, literally listing them. So I like to ask people, well, what are your top three priorities? How are you going about achieving those? And how do you, importantly, how do you measure those? And then that gives you a reference point as well when you're regular, regularly uh, meeting with your 
uh, team, you can you can just have that as a conversation, how things are going. Uh, there might be other times on really complex projects where you want the reporting uh, to be a bit more formal. And, and certainly there are times when we do that here at Aspen Medical. Uh, but, but I think that informal contact with your direct reports is so important. I, I just love how you articulated that. I couldn't agree more. Um, the funniest thing I find is so much of my work with leaders, which when people say leadership and, and management, people think, oh, it must be, you know, complex and it's, you know, or complicated. And, and the truth is one of the things I am encouraging people to do more than any other is to meet regularly in one-on-ones and with their teams uh, because I, I sort of always stand back and, and look at the landscape. And that's why I love what you just mentioned there. The first thing that nearly helps in, in almost any situation where there's people or team challenges is to have more of that connection through, which you only really get by spending time together, hence meetings. It's not about pointless um, meetings that that everyone hates. These are the exactly what you just described, and I love how you said that. How, that what are your three top, you know, what are your three top priorities? How are you um, going to get there, and how are you measuring that? I, I paraphrase that, but that that's um, that's just fantastic advice. So I, I couldn't have said that any better. Oh, thank you. Uh, I think um, something else that <laughs> that I that I find. Uh, people struggle with is how to, I guess, how to build a, build a team when it comes to that idea of how do you empower people? How do you build a team where you really have each other's backs? That's something I've had quite a few people on with a, with a military career or background. And I love asking that because I think it's such a unique um, experience. What did you learn from your time in the military about how to build team? Yeah, well, well, the, um, the first thing I might uh, comment, comment, comment on is that some people think that if you've come from the military, that it is all directive leadership. And there are times when, of course, that happens. Uh, but most of the time, that's not what happens. You've still got to convince people about uh, what you want them to do if you want to do them to do the absolute best job at that. So um, my time in the military taught me uh, about commander's intent and that is and, and I, I like that uh, I had to actually I used that just before with one of my uh, team that I was talking to didn't have a military background he asked me to explain it to him and for your, for your listeners I'll, I'll do the best and that's simply saying this is this is what I want to achieve as an outcome but how you get there I want you to figure that out now I would I won't just leave that to them, of course, but I'll ask people often to I'll say, well, this is my intent. I'd now like you to go away and think about that, and uh, and at an appropriate time, I say, can you come back? And what I say to them is, can you backbrief me? That is, give me a give me a headline, what how you're going to go about that that particular uh, intent that I've given to you, and that is a great tool to empower people, because they own the execution, they own the plan to do it, and you're not giving them all the detail. Now, there's no template for this stuff. Sometimes you want to give some of that detail, other times you want to hold right back and uh, just allow those people who report to you to come up with what is more often than not a great plan, uh, and that will meet your intent. It's, uh, you know, it's so, it's so wonderful that you mentioned this, because I had someone on 
only in a recent podcast and they mentioned intent and it blew my mind. That was the first time I'd ever heard of it. And I love that you brought it up again because I had never heard of this idea. And I honestly think it's, it's probably the most helpful thing I've heard for um, as a filter for how to empower people because empowering people gets very confusing when you're trying to think strategy versus tactics and strategy versus tactics versus delegation and these words when i love the idea of intent because it's very clear it says okay you've got a you've got a plan that um that we're working towards but more important than the specific details of the plan is the intent if you if i can make sure you understand my intent then you're able to adapt and you're able to find your own path because you understand the the bigger picture with where we're going and uh, yeah, I had only just, I only just heard that for the first time recently, like the person you were telling the other day, Bruce. So I, I think I've heard a lot of different things in that field around empowering. And I think it's, it's probably one of the most helpful filters I've ever heard. Yes, it's, a, um, yeah, well, I've found it very good. And, and once again, it's something that has easily transferred to my commercial uh, uh, experience as well. Absolutely. So let's, um, in terms of your career, I want you to have a think about, uh, you know, any aha moments for you, Bruce, an aha moment where you, uh, you know, as someone once put it, which I really like, favorite failures where you drop the ball and forever will remember that leadership lesson you learned, or maybe a massive win that you were a part of where you were able to come, you know, overcome something or a great piece of advice someone gave you. What's a, what's a sort of aha moment for you across your career that comes to mind? Yeah, look, um, I, I might, uh, well, I might start back with uh, when I was um, still at school. And um, once again, I'll talk about a sporting experience. And uh, I, when I was playing with a junior rugby league team, because like we do in any sporting team, you observe players who are very good on the field, but not off it. And I remember when I was, um, uh, in one such team, and uh, and we we played together, and uh, and then one of one of the uh, players in our team who was who was a very good uh, uh, rugby league player, and uh, and quite uh, had grown quite early and was much larger than the rest of the team, was bullying uh, uh, some other members of the team off the field, and the uh, the captain that time. Um, came over and and quickly made uh, made it clear that that wasn't acceptable behavior and uh, and the rest of the team just had such respect for that person that was an aha moment for me because I it, it said to me that when you're a leader you've got to be a leader and a role model all the time not just when you're on the sporting field not just when you're at work you've got to exhibit and uh, that and be that role model and live that and really live it and believe in it and do it all the time. And that was an aha moment for me. Um, maybe the other one was that um, uh, when I first graduated from the army, and once again, I, I, I've been taught about the theory of leadership, but once again, and you brought this point up, it is only when you do that you really learn. And so when you do and you're thrown in and you do have that responsibility, that duty of care for a group of people and for when you're in the military that extends really to their family, that you go, aha, I'm responsible for all of those people. 
and and I've got to make sure that I uh, develop, continue to develop and maintain this deep sense of a duty of care because I have that responsibility and I must fulfill it. And that was also a real aha moment for me. Yeah, that's something I've always um, wondered is what, what's it like to live and lead with that literal life, you know, when in the military decisions can be life, life or death, you know, decisions. Um, and you feel the weight of not only people's well-being like we do in, you know, when, when we're leading them and yes, their families, because we're helping to provide for them, but it's at another level when it's, when it's, um, when you're leading people in what can be really dangerous, um, important work. What, what's it like to, for those who haven't ever experienced that, what's it like as a leader to carry that? And, and how do you deal with that? Yeah, well, the first, the first point I think I'd make, and, and uh, this is not only in the military, but also outside, is when you come to those critical decision points, the world's not perfect. You can't get every bit of information you would like. So you've got to draw as much information as you can and, and make sure that you make a timely decision. Sometimes you get the opportunity to, to wait and draw more information before you make a decision, but it's recognizing, recognizing those points and those times when you mightn't have as much time as you want. And even if you had all the time in the world, as I said, the world is not a perfect place. So you've got to take the information you've got available to you and, and make a decision as a leader. Now, the second point I make is you just don't get every decision right. And hindsight, of course, is, is a uh, wonderful thing. But the thing about making timely decisions is that that allows people who work for you or will report to you to then get on and make their own decisions, make their own planning and do something. If there's no decision, that can't all happen. So it is much better to use the information you have available, communicate it clearly, or make the decision and communicate that clearly so that can flow down through your organization. If you hold it up right at the very top, mm. then what chance have the people below you got to get to get a really good plan going? Yeah, I love that. It's um yeah, great thoughts there in both the points you mentioned. Well, let's jump into Leadership Express. I've got a few questions for you, Bruce. Yeah. Uh, the first question I have is. Uh, what's a book you can give a couple people people often do one or, or, or many um, a book that you've gifted to other people or that you've recommended a lot for other people to read yeah I, I reckon the book that I've uh, recommended to most people to read is uh, Stalingrad by Anthony Beaver um, and the, the reason I've done that is a Stalingrad was uh, a major turning point of the second world war but for me that book was an extraordinary record of human hardship and misery. And, and it's important that people understand what has gone on in the past. But at the same time as that, it was also an extraordinary record of human courage, bravery, and of course, leadership. And I'd say that was on both sides of the, uh, of the, uh, of the German and Russian forces. You know, that, that was Hitler 
really saying um, I'm I'm going to uh, he had the opportunity from from my reading of military history he could have bypassed Stalingrad and gone straight to Moscow but it was really he he wanted to stick it to uh, to Stalin and so that's why it was uh, it was made a it was uh, given as a mission to the German forces and that's why it was such a turning point and then when the Russians did eventually turn the Germans around it, uh, it, it is uh, credited as changing the war. Um, just so uh, people, your uh, listeners don't think that I only read military uh, <laughs> fiction and biographies, I'll also include uh, one that I use out in private industry and I was given very early on and it's called The One Minute Manager Meets the Monkey by Ken Blanchard. And, and um, in fact, I've got, I have it here at work because it's only a very small book and I'd recommend it. Um, it doesn't take long to read, but for me, it's, it's a great guide for corporate leaders looking for tips on how to empower their employees and teach them to succeed in their jobs with minimal direct guidance. Um, I won't give away everything in the book. It's only small, but I'd, I'd, uh, it's one that I'd recommended and I've literally given mine. So it's well, it's well thumbed and uh, well worn, mm. and it's been read many times by people who work for me. Wonderful, uh, love it. Love both recommendations. Thank you. What is a recent leadership lesson you've learned for the first time or been reminded of? Um, look, I think the pandemic for all of us has been an extraordinary time, and uh, it's you know the challenges have been substantial uh, both for business uh, for communities uh, for countries for the world and I, I personally uh, before I get on to the leadership lesson I, I think that taught us many lessons and I thought there was some silver linings I don't know where you you live specifically but I witnessed in the community I lived in even though people were uh, shut up and unable to go out there was a, there was a great um, upswing in, in the community and people looking out for each other, you know, whether it was as simple as baking some extra uh, meals and uh, or cooking some extra meals and making those available to people who, uh, who were on their own uh, and uh, just generally looking out. And I think, I hope we don't lose that as we come out of the, uh, uh, the, the pandemic period. But the other thing I, I thought it, it, taught me or reinforce what the, we've got to communicate key messages strongly and widely during a crisis. And I think we saw examples of that. I personally think we saw examples of that from around the world, from the World Health Organization, from political leaders. And certainly I did that or uh, I sought to do that with the entire team, uh, the global team that I had. And that was a challenge because you just you can't get out there to talk to them mm. so you've got to think and i'll give you two examples of what i did yeah was was uh, the first one was that um i went into the studio and i recorded uh relatively short and sharp uh key messages to my global team and i remember the very first one was it was about letting them know that we had a plan and we were executing on it and we did and uh, but I, th I thought it was important to reassure everyone that right to the lowest level globally in this company, and, and we had a lot at, at the peak, we had up near 6,000 people working for us, and we're around 4,000 at the moment. 
but it's hard to get a message like that out to everyone. But I thought it was important that they all knew and I reassured them that there, there were challenges going on. But if you work for Aspen Medical, we had a plan on how we were going to deliver on our projects, how we're going to look after our people. Um, the other tool that we did and uh, was that we over communicated in our meetings. And when I say that, our coordination meetings. So if, you, if you're the sort of company which we were, that you have a coordination meeting to synchronize all the efforts of the operations and the support functions once a week. Well, at the start of the pandemic and for many months after it started, our coordination meetings were held every single day of the week. And the reason we did that was we were doing a lot of uh, uh, projects in support of the Australian government, but many other governments around the world um, came to us because we are the only commercial company in the world that's certified by the World Health Organization as an emergency medical team for infectious disease and trauma. And because we had that certification, many governments and many global companies came to us. And so we were doing a lot of mission critical, as I call it, projects for those governments and those companies. And that demanded, demanded a high level of synchronization at the senior executive and senior management team within the company. So if you're the sort of uh, company that might have a meeting once a week and you come into a crisis, step that up. We stepped it up to one day a week. Eventually we went down to five days a week and now we're at three days a week, but we're still more than when we went in at the start of that crisis. Yeah, that's such good advice. I think uh, I was surprised at how many organizations through COVID did respond with daily uh, communication and daily meetings. And I think it's a, I think it's a reminder and, and you hit the nail on the head that it's not just global pandemics. It's also, if there's, um, if there, if you have any sort of real redlining sort of challenge or issue or season in an organization, I think we get afraid of bombarding our people with information, but it's one of the reasons I love the name. Uh, I love the word clarity. It's why I called my consultancy clarity is, People, if you can just be clear, if people can be clear, and that's why I, I love what you said about them, your people knew you had a plan. If you can be clear, that beats nearly anything else when it comes to, particularly in a crisis. Yeah, no, I agree. And um, the only thing I'd add to that is you've got, you've got to be clear. Um, and that's why I like um, uh, breaking things down to, I think, less is more on mm. those key messages. Yes, and you've got to say them over and over again, <laughs> so that people can hear and understand, and that's fair enough. And you've got to say them in um, in in di many different mediums. So I would write, I would uh, do the YouTube uh, videos, I would, um, and when I had the opportunity, of course, I would speak in person to uh, our people around the world. So good, Bruce. Um, I love that. Yeah, over. you mentioned the word over-communicate. I love that because it's um, Patrick Lencioni talks about that in, in his work, um, the advantage and this idea of over-communicating. It's such a great phrase. And I think it's, once again, it's a helpful filter uh, for someone who's wondering how to communicate that, that like you said, to be succinct with, you know, uh, with what you're saying. You don't want to be writing essays, but to over communicate the really important things, make sure that you are repeating yourself, uh, particularly in a crisis. So good. 
One more question for you, Bruce. If you could only give one piece of leadership advice to a young leader, what would you say? Um, if I was to give uh, one piece of advice to a new young leader, I would say uh, recognize and embrace the responsibility that you've been given. There's, there is nothing more satisfying than leading a team and achieving a great result. Um, it, it is the best feeling in the world. So don't be scared by leadership. Uh, don't, be, uh, 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 don't be concerned about it. Embrace it. Understand the responsibility that you've been given and, and work hard. Work hard to make sure that you're being the best possible leader that you can for your team. And understanding that that doesn't end um, when you leave work, when you shut the door, when you step off the sporting field. Leadership is a, is a constant thing and uh, something that you should always be aware of your responsibilities when you're given that privilege, which it really is. And uh, you get those great results and uh, you'll get the respect um, that, uh, that uh, is, would be due to you if you follow all those, uh, all those issues or, or notions that I just said. Wonderful advice to embrace the responsibility and the, and the privilege of, of leadership. Thank you. For those who've really enjoyed hearing your thoughts, um, is there anywhere that people can find you, LinkedIn or Twitter online and also Aspen Medical? Where can people find out more about Aspen? Yeah, well, um, of course, uh, we'd love you to find out more about the, you know, the things that I'm so proud of uh, that our team have done around the world. Uh, over, over the last almost 20 years now, but in particular over the pandemic, uh, our team has gone above and beyond, uh, as I said, on these mission critical services, products for governments and global companies. And I'd love your uh, listeners to learn more about that at Aspen Medical, www.aspenmedical.com. Uh, and for me personally, um, uh, please, uh, I, uh, there's plenty that I'm uh, proud of, once again, that my team has achieved that I'd love you to have a look at on LinkedIn. Um, and you can find me there at Bruce Armstrong Aspen Medical. Excellent. Well, I want to thank our listeners for tuning in. What a wonderful episode and uh, just uh, so many nuggets of great leadership wisdom. Don't forget, I also have the John O'White Leadership Podcast and the Leadership Question of the Day Podcast, where you can go to continue to grow in your leadership. But I want to finish today by saying a massive thank you to you, Bruce, for being so generous with your time, uh, for for sharing some wonderful stories. and uh, But just, yeah, I think wisdom is the key word. So much wisdom in today. I could go back and listen to it again. There's just... Um, it's, uh, it's been wonderful to just spend time with you and, and get to glean some of that wisdom from you. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Thank you very much, Jono. I appreciate the opportunity and best wishes for the series. It sounds fantastic. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast as much as I did. If you're joining us for the first time, don't forget to check out consultclarity.org. That's our website, consultclarity.org. We have so many free resources on there, including our seven questions on leadership series. We've had more than 1,500 leaders from all over the world in all different roles, in different industries, 
answer these seven questions on leadership and leaders give these in-depth answers around how they spend their time, uh, a book that's been significant for them. It's just a gold mine. It's completely free to access. So go to consultclarity.org and look for that. We'd also love to interview you about your leadership. I believe your experience, your life, your context means that you have advice on leadership that other leaders can learn from. Yes, you, if you're going, not me. Well, no, I really believe you would have something to add. So if you're looking for a way to give back, it's completely free to get involved. And we would love to interview you through the seven questions on leadership. You just go to consultclarity.org forward slash seven dash questions dash interest or Google consultclarity.org seven questions interest and fill out the form and get involved. We have a free resource on our website called the Leadership Survival Guide. It's a 57-page ebook, 10 world-class leaders giving their thoughts on leadership, and that's completely free. It's available on our homepage, consultclarity.org, right at the top. So make sure you go and get that and download it today. And we have a free daily email that you can subscribe to. We send this out to over 15,000 leaders from around the world. And uh, it contains the highlights of content from our podcasts, our blogs, um, our books, books we're reading. It's got the best content and it gives you exclusive, limited, early access to our masterclasses, workshops, new products, special offers. It's all for our subscribers. You can go to consultclarity.org forward slash subscribe and join 15,000 other leaders And you know, my gift to you is to work really hard, particularly through the Leadership Conversations podcast. I have been blown away by the quality of the leaders and I'm learning as much as anyone in doing these interviews. So I'm having a great time. And my gift to you is to keep lining up the best leaders I can to invest in your leadership. Your gift to me, if you're finding this helpful, there is something that you could do that would help us out massively. And that is to write a review and to leave a rating for our podcast or wherever you're watching or listening to this, I can't tell you how much that helps us out. Also subscribe or follow. It really does make a difference in helping us to help more leaders become everything they're meant to be. Another thing that means a lot to me personally is when I see our community share our content. So if you do share this or any other piece of content on social media, then thank you and and please do that. And look for me, John O. White, or clarity and tag us in your post. Our team is always looking for posts to engage with from our community. And there's also a chance that we'll share your content uh, to go beyond and share it with our followers. Last of all, you can check out my book. It's called Step Up or Step Out, How to Deal with Difficult People Even If You Hate Conflict. I wrote this book because 50% of the coaching sessions I have with leaders, this topic comes up again and again and again. And it's this idea of how do I have this difficult conversation? How do I lead this person better when I'm finding them difficult? Or in some cases you look and you say, I think I might be leading a difficult person. They're just quite difficult to lead or I'm finding them quite difficult to lead. So there's a three-step process that I unpack in step up or step out. And the amazing thing, and I've literally done this myself and I've heard it anecdotally from other leaders as I've coached them, is that if you follow this process, you will see that person step up and change their behavior or make a decision, which is to step out some of the time. Uh, 95% of the time, people will step up or step out in just four weeks. And I stand by that. It's uh, You have to read the book to understand, but uh, I really do believe in it and I've experienced it firsthand. It works. 
So you can go to Amazon, look up Step Up or Step Out John O'White or store.consultclarity.org forward slash book. Well, thank you so much for listening. We're going to be back with a new episode next time of the Leadership Conversations podcast. And I hope today has helped you to take another step towards becoming the leader you're meant to be. See you next time.